We can't blame guys for everything. Oh, I can. <laughs> Watch me. Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And today we are coming at you with another episode review. We love doing them. We hope you love hearing them. And we are continuing with season two. Season two, episode three, The Nightmare Begins, our first Morgana-centric episode of the season. And we're very excited to talk about it. But first, Momo has some things. Yeah, let's hear some news. Pod exchange is an exchange of long podfigs. The podfigs have to be at least an hour long, or of a story that has at least 10,000 words. Merlin is one of the eligible fandoms to request and or make gifts for, so go on and sign up. Merlin Cannonfest is now open to episode claiming. We from Merlisten are looking for guest hosts on the following episodes. Female villains of season 1, Katie McGrath, Crossover and Fusion Fix, and a Merlin Morgana shipping episode. If you're interested in joining, please check out our post on Tumblr or email us directly for more information. And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. Yay. <laughs> so we have some talkbacks for you guys as usual, and we're very, very excited to talk about these. So let's get right into it. As always, we have a uh, veteran commenter in Ellerin. We're very, very happy that she continues to share her thoughts with us, and they're always so cool and in-depth. And she commented on our Bradley James episode. And I'll let Momo go first because I think she has some comments here, and I'll just kind of bounce off of her. So go ahead, Momo. Yeah. Okay, so Ellerin has said the following. I think Bradley is very cautious about meeting the fans because he had some quite unpleasant experience. I remember when we went to see filming in Pierrefonds in June 2012, there were some fans, mostly young and teenage, who were quite creepy, running after him, trying to touch him, not to mention the shitstorm that happened on Twitter when he was dating Georgia King. I'm unaware of this Twitter shitstorm, but I also was not in fandom in 2012, but the behavior from these teenage fans is just unfortunately not super surprising from teenage fans, but also super creepy. Yeah, it's like, A, it makes you wonder where their parents are, but also it's like, yeah, I remember the when he started dating Georgia and it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even um, like there was no real Instagram or anything then either. And the only photos of them that were kind of being shared were ones that were found on like, I don't know if it was her personal Facebook or his personal Facebook, but, but someone's Facebook. Yeah. And yeah, it was like, it was kind of made official. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm kind of less interested about that and more interested in the timeline of when, Bradley and Angel were together versus when they won and then when he started dating Georgia King. The thing is, has it ever been officially confirmed that Bradley and Angel were together? Because I know I I hear about them being together at some point, but is there like official confirmation of that in some way? 
I just feel like it's one of those things. Well, I mean, I well, neither of them have said that that's the case. Um, I know that on one of the season five episode commentaries, and I couldn't tell you which one because I'm not as well versed in the season five ones of these, uh, I'll be honest. Um, but when we get there, I will try and find where this was said. But they like, I think Angel and someone else made a joke about like relationships like on set or something and they kind of laughed so either that was in relation to angel and i don't know if she was with rupert or someone i think that was also rumored to be happening or with bradley but also i think bearing in mind like their body language in like the season one video diaries like we didn't think much of it at the time but like for example why would they be sitting in one roller coaster cart when like colin and everyone else is sitting in their own cart you know things like that and it's like you know they're always being around each other and always filming each other like i'm just really curious if they were seeing each other like before filming started and during season one and then they broke up for a bit and like how long the gap was between them being together and him being with georgia because for christ's sake if they were together and then he's dating a different co-star i just feel like i know that we're all adults and stuff but even for i mean it's still got to be awkward i mean you still have to work together and you're playing on-screen love interests (laughs) god damn it that's really tough it's like just don't do it guys don't take your co-stars if you're gonna be with them for the next five years yeah but yeah um obviously bradley and georgia are not uh together anymore moving on Eloine also says this. I still need to watch Bounty Hunters. I couldn't find the episodes anywhere, so I gave up, but I really want to watch it. I've seen just a few scenes with him, and they were absolutely hilarious. He should definitely do more comedy. It suits him. I think I talked about how I think that Bounty Hunters is actually a terrible show, and the only reason I watched any of it is because of Bradley. So if you just want to see Bradley in it, which I would recommend, just find Merlin's earmuffs on tumblr it's like merlin's dash earmuffs.tumblr.com they clipped all of his scenes so you can just watch him in that and coming back to medici elevin says i don't think i'll be able to watch medici though it seems it's not all sunshine and rainbow for his character but he does look utterly handsome in all those gifts and he's so pretty when he's sad Honestly, this is not a spoiler anymore because Medici has been out for a while. But if you consider Medici-related things a spoiler, fast forward about 30 seconds probably. If you can only watch him in happy roles where nothing bad ever happens to him, don't watch Medici. (laughs) If you enjoy seeing Bradley as a cheeky character who enjoys sex and teasing his friends and family and who goes through a dramatic character development because he's mostly a lost boy with no purpose on life who then falls in love this is the show for you <laughs> like i loved him in medici i think his character is super interesting and super lovable and his love interest is also this more of the same and they are so sweet together but yeah if if you can't watch him in sad roles, don't watch him in Medici because it's not going to make you happy. So, everyone also says, For me, Arthur is definitely my most favorite of Bradley's roles. But let's be honest, he didn't get another role that would give him a chance to fully show how amazing an actor he is. I would disagree. He did, but you're not watching Damien or Medici, so I can't really help you there. 
because he definitely <laughs> did get other roles in which he was arguably even better than in Merlin, but you're not watching them because they would make you sad. <laughs> so I don't know I what feel like to help you. Arthur is sad, though, too. I mean, yes, but Eloine is already accustomed to that oh, kind of he, sadness. Okay, she just okay. doesn't want any new More. sadness. It would just bring up the trauma of Merlin season five. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah, he was also great in iZombie, which I assume you also didn't watch because it doesn't end too well for him. So... I really, he just, he likes these roles, okay? We keep harassing Colin for taking roles in which he dies or is a tragic character, but Bradley isn't that much better. <laughs> okay, another scene. Bradley tops it off with the fisting scene. Honestly, how did he manage to keep a straight face while filming this scene? He didn't, and nor did Colin. <laughs> <laughs> it's part, I mean, the final cut, yes. It's, and it's just, that's part of his comedic talent, I think. Like, deliberately staying straight-faced to further the joke is just what he does. From other funny ones, I love the George scenes. From Arthur waking up with the confused, who are you, to two whole days in the tavern. And the disgusted face he makes when Uther flirts with Lady Katrina is just perfect. Not to mention the speech he gives Merlin when he catches him spying on her. I love all of these moments so much. And I kind of wish I'd talked more about... Bradley's comedic stuff I like I know that we covered it in the Bradley episode but I even me I sometimes sleep on how like funny he is in Merlin and some of my favorite like Arthur moments are when he is like enchanted or just like goofy and Bradley gets to do that like I just I absolutely love it I love those scenes with him and Merlin about Lady Katrina I love all his stupidity in Sweet Dreams I love him um like uh whenever he gets to do like physical comedy i've spoken before about i love his comedy in the scene when merlin and gaius are trying to get him to drink that poison and he just thinks it's a sleeping potion <laughs> and it's just like he is such a funny actor and i feel like it's so interesting that arthur pendragon like king arthur got to be so goofy you know because it's like you think of this character from legend and, you know, this angsty, you know, bearded king. And then you've got, you know, Bradley basically enchanted with, you know, big wide eyes walking around, like acting like an idiot. And it's really cool that they got to do that with him. You know, I really like that they kind of made him into a funny character as well. Sometimes to his detriment with being knocked out all the time but still it's still nice that he had that side to him that we maybe didn't see in any other adaptation so yeah absolutely we have another comment from Ellerwyn on a different episode and it is a comment on our Merwain episode Woo! and in that we talked about how we got into how we get into different ships sometimes and Ellerwyn says I have the same experience as Momo about getting into other pairings only after a certain time in a fandom, except I tend to go for polyamory after that period passed, not for other pairings. Still don't like Merlin or Arthur with other people, but I love Merlin Arthur Mordred now, or even a big pile of Merlin Arthur Knights. A big pile. <laughs> or even a big pile of Merlin Arthur Knights. I, I mean, that. I've written that, so... <laughs> um, I Honestly, this is... Usually how it starts for me 
like I used to even seek out modern author Gwen for a while, but then I just I often reach a point where I just go for other pairings entirely or where I even just ship parts of my original OTP with other people without the the other part of the OTP. Like yeah. I'm I'm now at a point where, you know, it doesn't have to be Merthyr. <laughs> I'm fine with them not being a couple at any point in the story. So, you know, that's that's just where I'm at. But I get that other people are different. And, I mean, yeah. I know you, rocks for you, it's like they have to be very heavy circumstances for you to accept that Merlin ends up with just Gwen and not also author. Well, it's interesting because I have read and do still read like fics with characters that aren't like my main OTP. Like I've read plenty of Merwain. There aren't really really other characters like like Merlin Lancelot. Maybe I just don't really find any characters that I find he has chemistry with apart from those two. And I definitely don't find I see any chemistry between Arthur and other people that I'm interested in. But like in the Glee fandom, especially like I've read you know, fix with Curtin Blaine with other people that I've really, really enjoyed, like where it where like the other person isn't even in the fic. Like like they're just not in it at all. And I think what I've kind of realized is that it's sort of like when I read those fics, I enjoy them because I enjoy the chemistry, but it's almost like I know it's not really real. Do you know what I mean? Like I know that this isn't really my OTP. I know I'm indulging in it for this fic. Like in this bubble and when the fic is over it's like Mel and Arthur are still together do you know what I mean like I don't really see it as being like really a thing so I can enjoy them because I know that I still ship Martha as OTP or I still ship Clayne as OTP or like whatever and it's like I don't think it necessarily I can't enjoy them and that Mel and Arthur have to be like together at the end of the fic if it's a Martha story yeah they should be like in like in intended if Merlin and Gwen ended up together in the end I'd be a bit like hold on just a second mate <laughs> like why is that happening but if the fic was like about Merlin and Gwen then I would be like yeah I I want them to end up together at the end you know so I think it depends on why I'm going into a story I have reached a point where apparently I don't have OTPs anymore I just have you know, tropes that I love and just as long as you shove any character into that trope, I will love it. <laughs> but that's good because that means that you're going to, you know, have a slightly wider, like, uh, variety of things to read. Like, for me, it's more about, like, I love tropes, but um, tropes won't won't save you from my criticism if I don't like the dynamic. <laughs> like, <laughs> tropes, in fact, tropes are more likely to... To, to like increase my criticism if you're just using tropes for the sake of tropes and, i mean like, it, ha- it has to work it still has to work obviously yeah i'm i'm open to reading basically anything if it's couched in a trope that i like but i feel like what Eloine is saying also makes sense to me that it does take me like a while like i oh yeah okay the thing the thing for me is that i can get into like, usually I end up getting into the ships that are, like, the the big ships in the fandom anyway. So the reason why it takes me so long to get into other ships is that it takes me such a while to back read through everything that is there and that is possibly interesting to me. So it takes me, 
it took me years to go through all the Mirtha stuff until I've reached a point where I was like, okay, now I've read literally every iteration of this pairing in every possible trope multiple times over that I now think I have actually experienced every possible way that they could have gotten together. (laughs) (laughs) It's just what I do. It's just how my, my progress happens when I get into a ship or a fandom. I start out as a mono shipper and then I start branching out once I've reached a saturation point with that ship. And then I I just go looking for other dynamics, for other options out there. And then that's what happens. (laughs) That's fair enough. That's fair enough. I guess that kind of can happen to me, but I think like Ellerin said, I'm much more likely to want to go for a poly if I'm going to like be serious about a ship, um, like I, I think I said in the Merwain, like I would be very happy if like in a like real life kind of thing, like they would end up Merlin, Arthur, Gwen, like as a poly thing. It's weird because I should be bored of them by now, <laughs> but I guess it's one of those things where there are ships. I think that there are ships that you get bored by, like for me, that there are ships that I'll get bored by and there are ships that I think are just like true love ships. Like they'll just never go. Like the Jack and Roses, the Merlin and Arthurs, the Stephen Buckies, like they're just gonna be there like forever and I won't ever want them to be split up. But then again, Momo, you know, you read and write a lot more than I do. Maybe if I read and wrote as much as you, I'm you know, I might be in a similar boat and I might also get bored, but I just yeah. I don't maybe, I don't end up doing it as much. Yeah. Maybe which that's just, just that maybe that's just my mistake. I just read too much and write too much and I immerse myself too much in it to the point where I just get bored by it. Maybe that's it. Enjoy it while you're in it and exactly. then move on. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Eliran had one more thing to say. I mean, Eliran had many things to say, but we're picking and choosing what we're reacting to. <laughs> so this is what Eliran said. When you talk about fandom picturing Gwen as someone who doesn't settle, I don't think it's completely true. Or at least in most works that I remember. Mirtha works, where he was a side character or inside pairings. He might be described as a huge flirt who has one night stands and stuff like that, but once he meets the one, Percival, Elena, he drops all that and becomes the sweetest boyfriend ever in most cases. Yes! Which is sort of weird to me, because if Gwen hadn't been banished from Camelot, I'm sure he would have stayed indefinitely as he did when he returned at the end of season three. Yeah. I mean, there's um, there's this line about him never staying long in one place because people get tired of him, that he says. But I don't think that's quite true. I think it's Gwen protecting himself because... I mean, we can translate that, in my opinion, into Gwen not committing because he's afraid of getting hurt. And given the, his history of, you know, he found friends in Camelot, was banished, went to help Merlin with Arthur on his quest, only to learn that Merlin doesn't feel the same way about him as Gwen does about Merlin, whether you want to see that as romantic or platonic, then has to go away again. And finally, in season five, there's Ira who betrays him so completely that, you know, Gwen just has a history of, you know, people don't take me seriously, so I have to protect myself. Now I've made myself sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. And, like, I think Gwen is... This is going to sound so terrible. I think Gwen is one of those characters that, like, a lot of 
girls really kind of wish they could meet in real life where he's sort of like mysterious and like unattainable but actually no I really want to commit do you know what I mean yeah like I know so many people that are into guys like that and it's just kind of like now that you've described it where he's like oh yeah he like acts like super you know oh I'm really just not into a relationship and then once he gets into a relationship he's all in and like I even know people like this and I look at them and I'm like oh you are such a liar um so that's been all of our talk packs <laughs> well two of them <laughs> yeah. well the other one tends to get in right in there so yeah right in there <laughs> <laughs> she, she's um okay um so guys if you would like to comment and talk to us we encourage it very very much if you would like your comment to be reacted to on air please leave it at our website, which is melissa.parakaproductions.com. We do not respond to every single comment. We only choose the ones that we feel have uh, content that we haven't reacted to substantially before. But if you desperately, desperately, for some reason, want your comment to feature on the podcast, then please do leave a note. And of course, we will comment. We're not evil. (laughs) Um, There are many other places you can contact us and talk to us where we will reply via that platform not on the podcast so that's tumblr which we are melissa and you can reblog and put comments in the actual post or in the tags or send us an ask or a direct message or any of those things and we will reply to you we're on twitter at melissa where you can retweet us direct message us and comment on our posts as well and we will reply to you on that platform we have an email address which I'm reading from the script. <laughs> it is melissa.podcast at gmail.com. Email us and we'll email you back. And we're on iTunes as Melissa. So please review us, listen to us there and give us a star rating. And finally, we are on Discord. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's a chat room where you can talk about all the different things you love. It's not weird, I promise. And the invite <laughs> link to that is... That just on- makes it sound weird if you say that. <laughs> the invite link is on our tumblr and we have a dedicated channel in our merlis and discord for episode reactions but we do lots of other things on there too such as organize guest uh appearances on the podcast and uh just general discussions about merlin or the podcast in general so if you want to get involved in those conversations then join the discord and those are all of the places you can find us so i think we're ready to move into episode related things yes <laughs> Cool. All right. Do you want me to read the summary? Yeah, go for it. Sure. This summary, as per usual, is provided by the Merlin Wiki, which means it will end in a dun-dun-dun moment. Hopefully. Morgana's dreams continue to torment her, causing her to slowly believe that she has magical powers. Gaius insists there's nothing to fear, keeping her in the dark, but Merlin cannot watch and see her suffer. He tries to help Morgana by sending her to the druids, but the king believes she's been kidnapped and sends Arthur to find her and kill the druids. Dun dun dun! (laughs) This episode first aired on the 3rd of October 2009. We have three female characters with lines in this, which is one step up from the usual. They are Gwen and Morgana, both of them have lines amazingly, and we also have one supporting cast 
character Foridel, who is the woman who tells Merlin how to find the druids. And then we have seven whole male characters with lines. And they are Arthur Merlin, Guys, Uther and Leon. As well as Aglaine and Mordred. So many boys. Exactly. Just how I like it. The dragon (laughs) makes an appearance. And the enemy or monster of the week. Okay, I wrote down. Morgana's fear. (laughs) Merlin being punished for making the right choice. Merlin also not making the right choice. Although that is very debatable. No one dies for a change, except all the druids who never got any names. <laughs> and all the knights who also nev- never had any names or lines. But none of the named characters... Oh no, that's wrong! Aglaine dies. I'm sorry. Yeah. Aglaine dies. So not no it. one dies. Nobody dies except all the druids. <laughs> yeah, but I think why I usually have this in here... Like, usually it's like Merlin... Or like someone of the main cast killing someone. And this is not what happens. Yeah. So Arthur doesn't shoot Aglaine and Merlin doesn't kill someone for a change. So no one dies <laughs> if they haven't been killed by Merlin or Arthur. And we have a tiny bit of creaturology in this episode because there are the circuits, which are the giant scorpion monster thingies in the forest of Asatir. And Circuit is actually the ancient Egyptian goddess of fertility, nature, animals, medicine, magic, and healing venomous stings and bites. She is also the deification of scorpions, which would make sense now that they have been called circuits. Um, so, overall thoughts about The Nightmare Begins, Momo. What do you think about this episode overall? Hashtag it's complicated. Yeah, I kind of agree because I actually remember watching this episode for the first time. It's the first episode of season two that I remember watching, not live, but I remember seeing it. I watched it on BBC iPlayer because the episode that was waiting to be aired was Beauty and the Beast Part 2. So when we get to that, I will be able to tell you how I watched my first ever Merlin episode on TV. (laughs) Um, But this was the first one I watched on BBC iPlayer to catch up season two. And so I actually remember it pretty well. And I thought it was really good at the time. I still think it's good. Um, My biggest gripe with this episode is that I wish it had been somewhere else. I actually have very little problems with the episode itself, apart from I know that we have some issues with like moral things. But in terms of like structure and like storytelling, I think it's really solid. Interestingly enough, actually... This episode is one of the only episodes of Merlin, like I can probably count on like one or two hands, episodes that don't really have a B plot. Right. Like this is just one plot. Morgana is scared that she has magic. Morgana runs away. Like there's no other plot. Like the only other, like just off the top of my head, I can think of like um, the Witchfinder has like one solid kind of plot. But really, like most episodes of Merlin have like more than one more than one plot, right? Like that's kind of hmm. But yeah, in on. this episode everything connects back to the main plot. Yeah, everything is about Morgana. There is there is nothing else going on. There's nothing to do with like Merlin or Gaius. Merlin and Gaius's yeah. storylines are there, uh in in aid of Morgana. There's nothing going on with Arthur, nothing like that. But I mean I, I would argue that Merlin and Gaius's storyline is 
also there for their relationship, but it is centered around the conflict with Morgana. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like in Once a Future Queen where like yeah. Odin has a plot and like yeah. Arthur you has can't, a plot. You can't take yeah. this out of context and put it in something else, like Merlin with the leech tank, for example, from Once in Future Queen. Like that is that is something that you could probably put in another episode if you tried, but. Yeah. Like every conversation that Merlin and Gaius have in this episode are specifically about the conflict with Morgana. Exactly. And I think that this episode, I really need to get into the habit of actually like restructuring these episodes at the end of each season. I didn't do it for season one, but when we do our season two recap, I'll I'll restructure my season one episodes and my season two ones as well, because this is what I'm saying. Like, I almost feel like this episode should have either been a season opener nearer the end or at least it should have followed something that linked to it and what I mean by that is it either should have followed Curse of Cornelius Segan when Uther was talking about how he's going to go off on a vendetta against magic users which I think would have made more sense or it should have followed the Witchfinder because and I mean Katie would have had to alter her performance slightly in the Witchfinder but you know she didn't have much to do in there anyway but it would make more sense to me that Morgana's um actual shall we call it magical puberty <laughs> um <laughs> happened well you know whatever like call a spade a spade um happens because of this witchfinder coming to town and basically like triggering something in her that she finds scary because we see in this episode that Morgana's magic is triggered and reacts to fear at least that's what it does in the beginning now we don't know what Merlin's magic started out like because he he describes it as being similar but we have no actual visual representation so if that's true and magic reacts to fear when you're young and it's starting to manifest itself Morgana has nothing to be afraid of necessarily at the moment and it would have made more say you know we've just come off of once and future queen there's nothing happening to her in that episode even switching those two around I think might have worked better because at least she's coming off of the ravens you know, like those bad dreams she's having in Curse of Cornelius Segan. But I think better off it would have come after the Witchfinder. Witchfinder comes to Camelot, Morgana, like something in her clicks, and then she starts having these magical manifestations. In my opinion, it just works better here. It's just a bit like, well, we've just had this happy romantic episode. Why are we having this one all of a sudden? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but we've already had this conversation, how the show has issues with, like, pacing and putting things in the place where they make sense so i'm not suddenly with this one though you could actually switch once and future queen and nightmare begins and nothing would be different i mean the only thing that would be different is how author in the beginning of the episode is like um if gwen says she put it out, then I believe her. And they have this little moment of eye contact where she gives him a tiniest bit of a smile, which is sort of off the back of Once in Future Queen, where you have But that like... still makes sense because they had a romantic interaction in um, Thingy, Curse of Cornelius Segan. And I think it almost, okay. in my opinion, would have bridged the gap nicer between. Yeah that and the kiss because okay, it's like so ooh, that's they're fair. sharing eye contact now okay that's that's fair yeah i agree yes you have convinced me i agree the one thing i have about this episode is 
I had an epiphany about Gaius. Another one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> epiphany of the week. <laughs> Gaius epiphany of the week. This is a new category on Melissa now. Oh, <laughs> this I can't needs wait the sound effect the clearly. Um, no. Okay. My it's my Gaius epiphany of the week is that I don't actually mind that he's a bad parent and a bad teacher to Merlin as a character. Like, yeah, that's just who he is. And I've made peace with that. And I can accept that now as an interesting characterization. But what bothers me is how everyone, hashtag not everyone, obviously, in fandom is like, Gaius is so great. He's so good to Merlin. He's such a good parent. Unlike Uther, who is a terrible parent, everyone should hate Uther. Which I'm like, no. <laughs> They're equally bad parents in different ways. <laughs> it just makes sense that they're husbands, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, But, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's what bothers me, that so many people are like, no, Gaius is great. Gaius is so much better than Uther. Gaius and Merlin have such a great relationship and everything that Gaius says makes sense. No, it doesn't. Not for a teenage boy who doesn't understand anything. <laughs> so oh, that was my Gaius epiphany of the week. <laughs> I love it. I think that for me, this episode uh, holds a very important place in Merlin canon uh, for just one main reason. And of course... That reason is uh, Merlin and Morgana's relationship at the end of season two, because I, as I've said in the Morgana character episode, and I'll get into it when we get to these scenes, I'm firmly in the camp of hashtag Merlin did nothing wrong <laughs> because yeah. I, you know, stand by my point and I will continue to stand by that Merlin did everything that he could to support Morgana. This episode, in my opinion, proves that. And I think that the writers did kind of drop the ball with kind of her motivation for hating him. But like we said, we do think Morgos twisted her mind. But I'm just yeah. like, I know there are people in the fandom who should know better <laughs> than Morgana. <laughs> Morgana doesn't know better. People in fandom should know better that say, well, Merlin could have done more for her. And I would just like to use this episode review as an opportunity to maybe point out that he really couldn't have done any better. <laughs> like yeah. there was no, honestly, there was no solution from this. Yeah. Honestly, rewatching this episode with keeping in mind what we've talked about before and how Merlin had, had no good choices in this episode. I um yeah, I've changed my mind. I do agree with you. But we'll we'll get to more about that when we get into it, which means we should actually get into it. Get into it. We start off this lovely cheerful episode <laughs> with the one with Detective Gwen. She is returning to us in full force and Morgana is having a uh, f uh, fitful night and Gwen comes into the room with some blankets and moves the candle and what i find really interesting again merlison just opens my eyes in ways i never thought was possible because i didn't realize in all these years that when morgana wakes up and she looks at the candle and she's freaked out and she's frightened into using magic she's freaked out because she thinks she moved it in her sleep <gasps> Ooh! i never saw it before but she looks at it like she's frightened i'm like why there's nothing happening to the candle. Why are you freaking out? Oh, my God, a candle is a light. <laughs> but it's not that. It's that she remembers it being next to her, I think. And she didn't see Gwen move it. Ah, 
wow, that's a good catch. I did not catch that. It's thinks, just crazy. Things I caught. Gwen drops into Morgana's room in the middle of the night, but is surprised that Morgana is asleep. Like, she comes in carrying a pile of blankets, talking to Morgana, being like, oh, I thought you might be cold. And then she is surprised that Morgana is asleep, but it's the middle of the night. She just left her after a bit of... <laughs> She's like, wow, that must have been good. If you're asleep already. <laughs> Sorry, that just kind of slipped out. Also, speaking of moving the candle, why does she move the candle? She's put it out now. The candle poses no threat. Why does she move it? Exactly. Why? Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. Why would you move the candle? Because if she didn't, then it would never be able to set the curtain alight. Also, <laughs> then when Morgana wakes up, why does she assume that she lit the candle? Like, unless she's been dreaming about lighting candles. But that's a strange nightmare to have. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I have strange nightmares, so I'm not one to talk. But, um, like, why does Morgana assume that she lit the candle? But, I mean, her frightened face makes sense if you think that she's she thinks that she moved the candle so that makes more sense now yeah so she makes the windows explode and uh, then we have our title sequence uh but no one died i was about to say no one died yet. well maybe someone in the courtyard was blasted by that glass <laughs> and they died so <laughs> we we don't know um but the one that uh, so I so I've called this next scene the one where Uther is at it again <laughs> because you know it, I don't think it's a full ten seconds before he's like they used magic. <laughs> it's just he's from zero to it. magic. I can't. He. I mean, we have more of this later on, guys. This isn't the only time that Uther is at his Utheriest. Um, he is an absolute legend as always. But I've just got here Arthur being smart. Uther being smart, Gwen being smart. Why is Merlin there? <laughs> like, why is Merlin at this meeting? He has no business being here. I know he's Arthur's manservant, but really, Arthur doesn't need Merlin present to exist. <laughs> and like, Gwen is there because she waits on Morgana. Uther is there because he's the king. And Guy Morgana is his, his ward. <laughs> and it's like, where's I Morgana? Just... She's with Gaius, uh, right? She, yeah, she, yeah, she, mm -hmm. yeah, she must be with Gaius. Um, but yeah, I love that they're all kind of, you know, checking things out and kind of, yeah, actually being smart. And you know, Arthur is, you know, when he, um, when he leaves with with Uther, he's actually being really intelligent, being like, oh, well, oh, well, maybe this happened, maybe this happened. And you know, they're both really concerned, and it's really nice to kind of see that. One thing I did want to kind of mention though, it's so funny. So I. I actually watched this episode um, with like the uh, Polish translation over it. And one thing that I noticed was um, uh, Uther, I can't remember what the line is in English. He says something like, oh, well, the perpetrators must be caught immediately. Like, cause he assumes that someone broke in and like, you know, used magic. And the guy that's translating it in Polish uses the word, uh, they must be caught błyskawicznie. And błyskawicznie is a, word that you use for quickly but buskavica is lightning so he's basically saying we we must catch them lightning fast and they think that lightning caused the, the thing so i just always was like pun <laughs> i just love them and like obviously i don't think they meant it to be like that but i'm like uther you're funny <laughs> 
Um, the next epi- uh, episode, no, <laughs> scene that we have uh, is the one with the therapy session. And Merlin is eavesdropping on Gaius and Morgana's conversation. Uh, he's he he does love to ease, eavesdrop. Um, and especially I think this is, in this episode, he does it yeah, several times. I think this is where our problems start, aren't they? Really, with mm. Morgana. And look, Katie does, I think, one of the better jobs that she's done in Merlin in this episode, in my opinion. I really buy her performance in this episode. I think she really comes off as scared and desperate, and I really, really like that. Um, but, yeah, especially in this scene, she looks really small, and she's wrapped in a blankie, and she's not wearing any makeup or whatever. I'm sure she is, but, you know, the character isn't wearing any makeup. <laughs> what counts as not wearing makeup? <laughs> yeah. Um, and... I love that she has this little bit here where she's like, you're the only one I've told about my dreams. And what I love about that is that like, um, like this is really just a line to kind of, for anyone that wasn't caught up on season one, <laughs> like we're just reminded, oh, she's had these dreams before because we should like, why is that line there? Like, Gaius knows about the dreams. Morgana knows about the dreams. Like, you're the only one I've told about my dreams. Like, yes, thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> like, thank you for the audience at home that maybe started watching with season two. <laughs> but yeah, I assume you have thoughts because Gaius is in this scene. So. Yeah. Um, my thought is that I know Gaius is trying to help, but by and I know he is trying to protect her in the best way he knows how and in the way that he thinks is best. But he does not actually consider what is actually best for Morgana. He thinks about what is best for him and what is best for Uther. He does not necessarily think about what is best for Morgana, what is in Morgana's best interest and in the interest of her sanity. Because she literally tells him that she thinks she's insane. And that she's seeing things and imagining things and that above all frightens her so much and yeah he's basically still treating her like a five-year-old which i suppose to gaius they're all five-year-olds but honestly gaius you have to recognize that morgana now is older and she's not actually five years old anymore she you know and she has real fears and you know that her fears are actually valid so yeah. I'm glad you brought up Uther though, because I think this is something that I never really took much time to think about before we started Merlison. And it's this idea of, you know, Gaius has this habit of, yeah, trying to just bury, like bury, 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 whether it's with Merlin or Morgana. He just wants things to, he, he just wants a simple life, you know? And I wonder if maybe, what he's trying to do in these situations and especially here with Morgana is he's just, yeah, he's just trying to protect Uther. And it's interesting that actually, you know, he does end up choosing Merlin over Uther almost every time um, because he's protecting Merlin. He's lying for Merlin. He's not willing to do the same here for Morgana. He's not willing to take a a risk and tell her the truth, Um, which I find interesting because you know, Gaius knows that Morgana is, you know, more or less antagonistic towards Uther at the best of times. You know, they had a pretty turbulent relationship. So I don't see why he would think that she'd turn on him, you know, and tell Uther, oh, he knows about my magic or whatever. But there isn't really a reason for 
Gaius to not say anything here. Gaius doesn't know what the dragon said. Like, I get why Merlin didn't say anything. I really get why Merlin didn't say anything. But I don't really know why Gaius isn't saying anything. And I, yeah, the only thing I can come up with is what you said, is that he's torn between his loyalty to Uther and his loyalty to Morgana, and his loyalty to Uther wins out. But I don't see why it would hurt Uther if he just told Morgana the truth. Well... Because then, once Morgana knows the truth, Uther might find out the truth, potentially from Morgana, and that would hurt Uther. Yeah. Like, I mean, we have, because we've seen more of Merlin now, we have evidence that it actually hurts Uther to be, not necessarily that Morgana has magic, but that Morgana, you know, betrays him. And yeah. that is, and maybe having magic would also feel like a betrayal to Uther. And there's also the possibility that Uther would actually have Morgana killed. And then that would break him because he killed someone he loved. Mm. You know, and Gaius just doesn't want to find out how Uther would react and how it would break Uther. So he just, like you said, buries it as deep as possible so that there's no chance of Uther ever finding out anything that would <laughs> that would potentially upset him. I wouldn't be surprised if Gaius went to get his memory erased just so that he could like not deal with this. <laughs> magic? I don't know what magic even is. We yeah. we had magic in Camelot. <laughs> oh god. Exactly. Um, but I also kind of think that and I've and I've written this down in my notes that this ep- that this scene I think kind of strikes me that when she starts saying you know because um, she says like oh I think it's magic or something like that like because oh the flames kept kept leaping higher and he's almost like do you know like in those cop shows where like maybe someone is saying stuff that is gonna get them into big trouble and like the the cop is trying to be like stop talking stop talking like I think that. Gaius, I can see like on his face, he's he's scared. He's trying to get her to stop saying things so that he doesn't have to say, "Oh, I heard her say this." Because it's like yeah. he he knows that this is, I think, as much a death sentence for her as it would be for Merlin if anyone found out. And like the moment, and I think probably maybe what he's trying to do is make her think she's seeing things so she won't go around telling other people as well. You know, hmm. because he's like, if you know. You might tell me that's fine. If you go around telling somebody else, like they might get you killed, and he doesn't want that. But on that his also highly underestimates Morgana's intelligence. I mean, she's just said that she, that he is the only one she's ever told about uh, her dreams. His motivation might be that he doesn't want to hear it because plausible deniability. Yeah. If true. he hasn't heard her say it, then he doesn't have to tell anyone or to to admit that he has heard her say it and yeah. thus not put her or anyone else himself potentially in danger because when he knows about someone using magic or having magic and not reporting it to the king right away, that would make him complicit and that would endanger his life as well. I don't think that he told her not to say it because he was worried that she would tell anyone else. Because, I mean, she does tell Merlin, 
But that's because she also trusts Merlin. She didn't go to Uther to talk about it because she has, and she wouldn't talk to strangers about it. I'm surprised that she didn't talk to Gwen about it, to be honest. This This bothers me a lot that she doesn't tell Gwen about it, but she tells Merlin. Like, I mean, I get that they are friends in a, in a way, but she has known Gwen for much longer. She trusts Gwen much more than she trusts Merlin. I mean, we'll get to that when we get to it, but just to kind of, preface it slightly i think this has a lot to do with like i I think this episode really like walks in the footsteps of the beginning of the end a lot because i think that you know don't forget how i don't say unsupportive but how weary gwen was of mordred when she met him and how she wasn't very happy with morgana sneaking out and putting herself in danger so Mm. from morgana's perspective maybe she's like well you know merlin is the one who was helping me merlin's the one that kind of maybe understands me a bit more gwen was a bit more reluctant also it's not really like she seeks merlin out she goes to gaius yeah and and then there accidentally finds merlin yeah yeah and she's basically like at her wits end and merlin kind of like yeah, yeah so and i think i don't remember when i said this but um there is also because morgana in my opinion morgana is a smart woman and she might also have come to the conclusion that maybe Gwen is not a big fan of magic. I mean, Gwen doesn't necessarily say anything for or against magic. But just if you look at her track record with magic, she's been accused of using... She and her family have been accused of using magic several times at this point. So if anyone has a reason to hold, gr- hold a grudge against magic users who, to Gwen's mind, have bought her nothing but bad stuff (laughs) in the last couple of years you know she might not be super supportive of Morgana having magic but I think the main reason is um like in terms of the plot I think that we needed a reason for Merlin and Morgana to have this link between them Merlin's the protagonist at the end of the day I think that he needs to be in on the secret if you know what I mean like otherwise it's just it just doesn't really work like narratively but I think it does actually serve a story sense as well you know Merlin and Morgana helped Mordred escape Morgana saw that she could trust him and Gwen wasn't really that interested and also Morgana wants to protect Gwen maybe maybe it's more of a sense of Morgana wanting to protect Gwen and she's like well actually if Merlin finds out yeah I trust him but if anything happened to him like I'd rather protect Gwen so it's like you know um, at the end of the day um but speaking of Merlin uh the next scene that we have is the one with Detective Merlin everyone's a detective today it's very exciting um and I call it that because Merlin's actually being very smart for a change he uses his brains with the whole oh the you know the the glass fell out onto the courtyard below something 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 um but uh you know at the end of the day I I I quite like this uh, uh conversation because it's kind of got that age versus experience thing to it it's sort of like um again i'm sorry to keep bringing up other fandoms but i think it's important here like so there's a scene in glee uh where blaine uh who wants to marry kurt goes to kurt's dad and he says i want to marry kurt and i and i would like your approval before i ask him to marry me because you're important to both of us and he's sort of and 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 his dad is like look sit down like no i i i don't really support this you guys are incredibly young like like they're still in high school and he's like you know um 
I think that you need to wait. I know that you're in love, but this isn't the right time. And Blaine, who, ha- you know, is young and gay, says to him, you don't understand with respect what it feels like to be able to finally get married. And Bert turns to him and says, well, OK, kid, but you don't actually know what it's like to be married. <laughs> and it's kind of what I feel is happening in this scene where Gaius is kind of trying to come from a point of experience. Uh, sorry, age. And he's like, look, I've lived, I've seen a lot of things like no good can come of you getting involved in this. And Merlin's like, yeah, well, you don't get it because you've never been through this sort of thing, you know? And I kind of like get that from both sides. And I feel like they're both right. Like Merlin's like, yeah, I've been through it. I've, I've had the sleepless nights. I've had the fear. And guys is like, yeah, but I've actually lived a few more years than you. And I've seen more of the world, you know? So maybe also, just listen. I've been like for guys is also I've lived through the purge. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen yeah. things. But this is the thing. I get where Gaius is coming from. This entire episode, I totally get where Gaius is coming from. But also, I have seen this show several times. I know the background of Gaius through the rewatch. I've seen scenes with Gaius that Merlin was not a part of. So he doesn't know things about Gaius that I, as the audience, know about Gaius and that means that Gaius needs to actually explain things to Merlin this is I've said this several times before Gaius gives Merlin an order but doesn't explain why he just expects Merlin to obey his order blindly which at this point Gaius should know better than to expect (laughs) he just wants a quiet life (laughs) Well, he doesn't have it anymore. He needs to adjust already. <laughs> and it's just, he tells Merlin, don't get involved. You don't understand what the repercussions could be. And instead of giving him examples of what the repercussions could be, except, instead of explaining things to Merlin, if necessary, in small one-syllable words, <laughs> Death. He just he just expects Merlin to get it. But he doesn't, McMullen doesn't get it. And Merlin has already, like in this scene even, Merlin shows that he isn't getting Gaius's point of view because Merlin comes from a completely different point of view and Gaius doesn't take the time to sit down with Merlin and explain to him why it would be a bad idea for Merlin to get involved, both for his own as well as Morgana's sake. And that is what bothers me, that Gaius, and I mean, like I said, I have now made peace with that this is the kind of character that Gaius is. So in, in terms of characterization, this is now spot on. But also, don't give me this bullshit that this that Gaius is a good parent or a good character for trying to tell Merlin to, you know, be careful. Because Gaius doesn't actually tell Merlin shit. Yeah. One, one line that really cracks me up. Again, it's... Uh, like, I don't know if this was just for humor or, again, to kind of pander to the audience that hadn't seen season one. <laughs> because there's this line where Merlin's like, well, why can't we just tell her she has magic? And he's like, oh, because magic is outlawed. Or have you forgotten that? <laughs> it's like, well, actually, yeah, brother, the way you carry on, you would think you'd forgotten Guys, <laughs> is just so sassy. Because magic is outlawed. Or have you forgotten that? <laughs> so um, the next one we have is I put the one where Arthur is suspicious. So... 
I mean, I just love these comedic uh, scenes between them in general, where they're not being mean to one another. The one thing I will say, though, and I've and I've written this in my notes, is Arthur allows this. <laughs> Arthur allows this exchange to go on without just demanding what the hell is behind Merlin's back. And this is where I love Arthur. And we've kind of seen this again later on in season five, where like, you know, he tips over that bowl of apples to hide the horn and things like that. <laughs> and it's like, the fact that Arthur sometimes forgets around Merlin that he literally like has superiority in every sense of the word and could just demand for Merlin to do things, but he kind of pretends like Merlin like can tell him off for things. I mean, in season <laughs> in it. season five, it's because their dynamic has changed. I think yeah. here it is because for Arthur, it is more fun to find out without telling without ordering Merlin to tell him. That's that's how I read it. It's just Arthur wants to find out for himself because it's more fun. It's more interesting yeah, than just ordering Merlin to tell him. But I will also say, like, I and I think um, I like that Arthur kind of respects this moment in the scene. Is like when Merlin puts the flowers behind in his belt and he puts his hands up. Like, I know you say, oh, Arthur kind of like w wants to find out on his own, but he doesn't like, you know, make Merlin look stupid and order him to show him he kind of leaves it and is like my chain mail needs cleaning or whatever he says yeah. and then he kind of looks later on um which which i think is nice because i feel like you know a di you know because basically the writers write arthur however they want based on what comedy they want to tell and in another episode maybe he would have you know uh been physical with merlin and basically like turned him around and taken the flowers out you know of his belt himself and then made him look like an idiot whereas here he didn't do that and i really appreciate yeah. it and i like the little look that he gives like where he like looks backwards like from the stairs yeah. and as uh cello pointed out in the previous episode that you guys will have listened to which was the music the caper music <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love it. yeah it comes yeah. up a couple of times in this episode i've noticed because there's a lot of shenanigans going yeah. on all of them involving the boys which i approve of because when they're being stupid and happy i just love them the most yeah. um the next one is i kind of combined it with the one that came right after it but go for it uh you might have named it something else so yeah i mean the one that comes right after it i just call it the one with morgana watch and i have no notes i just wanted to point out that this is a cute little morgana scene where merlin delivers the flowers and um wants to see how morgana is doing and gwen promises him that she'll tell morgana who dropped off the flowers and it's just cute it's cute um uh, i'm I think I'm just going to save my thoughts for the Merlin Morgana episode. <laughs> it will just take too long. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we're going to have yeah. that soon. -ish. Yeah, we're going to have that. Yeah. I mean, just the Cliff Notes version is, I just don't get what they were trying to do here, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I think that they genuinely were trying to go for the, she's just like me thing rather than yeah. I'm so in love with her thing. Yeah. But yeah. They but they didn't do a good job of distinguishing that that's the problem and that's where i think i get frustrated and yeah so um the one i have next i've uh, i've called it the one with more screaming because i would Morgana like is... i yes. would like to point out she doesn't actually scream in this in this scene she exploded the vase and looked very frightened but she doesn't scream oh sorry i must have just assumed there would be screaming then <laughs> yeah, no she doesn't my bad scream. my bad um i mean my kind of thing for this is like I don't know. Like, I feel like this was just done to advance the plot because I know that Morgana is, um, like trying to be brave, but I, if, if, if I were Uther, I would have given Gwen an order to not leave Morgana's side. 
while she's like this and the fact that Morgana is like I'll be fine and she clearly does not look fine and Gwen just leaves her and like allows that like I just don't really get it and like the only reason why this scene takes place is so that Morgana can be left alone again so that she can be afraid again so that she can explode the vase and go and talk to Merlin and I'm just like like under any logical circumstances she would not have been left alone and this would never have happened so I'm just like okay fine the plot must advance somehow (laughs) but yeah this is this is this is stupid in in my opinion like they they could have done this um better like there is absolutely no reason why morgana should be left alone when she's in the state but yeah and when uther suspects that someone is trying to assassinate her (laughs) (laughs) uther what are you doing like why are there no guards stationed outside her door who then come running in once the vase explodes like what (laughs) oh my god Um. uther what are you doing (laughs) um so the one where morgana is desperate uh, immediately follows this. I love this scene. I really, really love this scene. She's just really upset. I mean, I mean, for Christ's sake, she's literally walked halfway across the castle in her nightgown, and she's just walked into Gaius's room. I mean, sheesh. Yeah, she she does not look right. She looks a mess. She looks absolutely heartbroken. Um, and just she kind of yeah looks a bit like she's out of her mind because that's probably what she thinks. And you know, I I don't. I don't really ship Morgana. I will say that if anything came close to making me ship Morgana, it would probably be this episode and this scene. Um, It's just how she says, I'm scared, Merlin. And I'm just like, oh, that's actually really, really sad. (laughs) Like, you can just, because I think we've all felt like at one point or another that we kind of, have this thing that's weighing down on us that if we just told someone it would feel better and you know for the majority of us we can do that like it might last a couple of days or a couple of weeks and we usually will find someone to tell and usually the thing that we need to tell is not something that can get us killed so it's also it's not just the telling someone because Morgana has also told guys about it it's the need to hear someone say you're not imagining things, you're not going insane, your feelings are valid, and yes, it could be the thing that you think is happening, which only makes it hurt more that Merlin evades the question. Like, I get why he's doing it. He's He's got Guy's warning in the back of his mind, and he's also maybe a little bit scared for himself, and like, Gaius has made him paranoid a little bit about what could happen if Morgana finds out that she has magic. But at the same time, it really hurts to watch that. And then when she, like, runs off again because she's now, she only feels worse now. And then Merlin mm. feels bad for making her feel this way. It just really gut punches, you know. It, it's a really difficult scene to watch. And, like, you know, just what you were talking about, I think that it's I can see why fans kind of took to this metaphor of the magic being sort of representative of like queerness or something. Oh, yeah. I have this in a in another scene. Yeah. Um I think I have this in the in their last exchange I talk about I like I made a note about yeah. how in this episode especially, it becomes so obvious that magic can be taken as a metaphor for queerness. And yeah. I will mention it again when we get to that 
to that scene because yeah, that yeah. is the one where it was like really driven home for me yeah but yeah i think like for me it, like it was the i'm scared merlin i don't understand anything anymore you know yeah. i think it's just i you know and it's and it and it's just that confusion you know it's that confusion of you know yeah you just kind of want someone to uh to justify it to validate it you know and you really think for a, for a second that he might you know say something and you know just the look on her face when she says please i just need to hear someone say it so that i don't have to keep feeling like i'm imagining it and you he i oh i feel i feel for him too though because she so badly wants to and you know interestingly Gaius's warnings have never really worked in the past for him so i'm curious as to what actually stops him here if it's kind of that he's now starting to really have that more jaded approach to life because if we remember in the mark of nimue it's only 12 episodes ago exactly on episode three morgana you know insinuated what he thought was that she knew about his magic and he was ready to talk about it right in public in the dungeons where anyone could hear and now he's he is much more careful but bear in mind he's not spoken to the dragon yet so i wonder if it's just his experiences with the, uh, with the dragon from episode 13 realizing that maybe he can't, can't trust the people that he thought he could trust and just having been in camelot now for over a year and you know saying to gaius in episode one i feel like i'm not getting anywhere because i just thought things would be different by now and arthur still treats me the same and things aren't progressing and that he's maybe seeing the world differently and he maybe a year ago he would have just come out and told her and now his experiences have just made him sad and he's just like i can't i can't risk it but it does still seem a little bit unbelievable to me that he wouldn't have said anything here like because he normally it's the dragon that manages to kind of twist his arm but Gaius's words don't usually make much impact on Merlin yeah. it's usually like Merlin no Merlin yes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but he kind of takes it to heart here and I yeah it's it's kind of it's so cold you know but I feel for him so badly because he also doesn't want to die <laughs> yeah it's really really hard oh my baby and just the betrayal on her face because yeah it's i mean okay i'm i'm gonna say it now and i'll bring it up a couple of times as we go through but i have this weird thing like they were trying to push this plot line of morgana secretly knowing that merlin is hiding something and that what he might be hiding is that he has magic because i feel like on a couple of occasions now we kind of see this look on her face almost like she expects him to say things and then he doesn't and this is one of those times where she i mean you know she she says to him you know it's magic you know please just say and then when he says i really wish there's something i could say she looks at him and she's shaking his head as if to be like i really thought you weren't going to say that but she never gives gaius that look and i feel like again it comes up in a in another epi- uh, in another scene that I'll bring up as well, where she has this look where I'm like, I think she expects him to say that he has magic. And I don't know if they maybe just dropped that storyline or if it was just meant to be subtle. Do you ever get that sense that maybe she might know something more? No, honestly, I, really? I didn't. I mean, if anything, I'd get that she expected him to be honest with her about her magic, but not to tell her that he's the same as her. Right. Like... 
yeah, because I just, no, I just didn't get that idea at all. Okay. I mean, I'll bring it up again in, in, in another scene. Maybe it, maybe it comes across a bit better there, but, um, yeah, so that very difficult scene, but one of my favorites in the episode and one of my favorites between them, I really think that it, it really, really works. Um, so the one with the dragon, there's always one. <laughs> there's always one. Um, Ugh. and I love the beginning of this scene. <laughs> How he's like, uh, where do I find the druids? Um, I need the help. Someone I care about needs the help and just kill Gara's line where he's like you know i've lived for x amount of years i've seen civilizations rise and fall do not think that you can lie to me (laughs) and he's still just like um well like merlin what why are you wasting your time but he's so adorable (laughs) i literally like these season two episodes of him where he's just all like coy and like I'm going to go ask the dragon for help, but I'm not going to say anything. And I'm just like, I want to wrap you up in like cotton candy and protect you from everyone. <laughs> so adorable. Um, What do we think of Kilgara's big premonition then? Because this kind of is a pivotal moment in Merlin. Like, we don't know it yet, but this is going to inform Merlin's decisions that will basically change the course of the rest of the show. It is self-fulfilling prophecy bullshit. It is literally Kilgara making it happen. Like, you think? Yes! Kilgara is the one who keeps putting these thoughts in Merlin's head. Kilgara is the one who told Merlin, ooh, the mortared boy should die. Ooh, you should not help Morgana. You know, it's just Kilgara basically biasing Merlin against these people and then Merlin's bias is plays a big part in what actually makes them turn yeah but that actually isn't the same as Mordred because in the night uh, 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 because in the beginning of the end Kilgara says if the druid boy lives he will kill Arthur so he's basically saying you have to l- let him die Merlin doesn't let him die and therefore this prophecy comes to fruition because he lets him live and then starts to distrust him and then Mordred kills Arthur. However, by Kilgara's reckoning, it's basically like, well, if you had not let Morgana find out the true extent of her powers, everything will be fine. But that's not true because if Merlin had never said anything to Morgana, Morgos would still have shown up and Morgos would still have manipulated Morgana. So the fact that Merlin helped Morgana in this episode does nothing to like make Morgana turn, if that makes sense. So, so his actual self-fulfilling prophecy doesn't work here. He's not planting a seed of distrust in Merlin that actually c- carries on because Merlin trusts Morgana up until the point that he has actual categorical evidence that she has betrayed them. And he's supporting Morgana up until the fires of Edith Sholas when he finds out she's the vessel and then he has to kill her. But it's all Morgos' fault, which is why I don't get why Kilgore... I mean, unless they just wrote it badly. But Merlin has nothing to do with Morgana turning. Merlin has a lot to do with Mordred turning because he doesn't kill him and then he distrusts him. But Morgana isn't even in Camelot when she turns. So I'm just like, this is dumb. Like Merlin had nothing to do with this at all. 
it's so annoying <laughs> like i wish that he had almost like i know he poisons her but it's just like i really don't get why kilgara like because he doesn't give a reason he says it would be better he says it, it would be better if the witch never knew the true extent of her powers and i wish i knew why that would be better I mean, unless he the only way I can maybe see this is that he thinks, well, Morgana's going to keep doing spontaneous magic. Uther will find out and then he'll kill her and then she can never turn against them. Hmm, probably. I mean, I just had a thought. It comes back to this episode where you said you yourself said <laughs> that there is a chance that maybe they intended for Morgana to know that Merlin is hiding something from her or that mm -hmm. he's not being quite honest with her. And then I kept thinking about, you know, to Morgana's mind, yes, Merlin helped her find the druids, but then also Merlin took her away from the druids again. And, like, she gets why he mm -hmm. had to do it. Mm -hmm. But he was also, I mean, he was trying to get her, you know, to get her free so she could go with the druids. It's just that she couldn't move with her. She couldn't run with her leg and that's why mm -hmm. she she had to go back but like there is a chance that to her mind and i'm assuming that you know in in this headcanon that i'm now building mogos <laughs> used this as well is right. um merlin like she blames merlin for having to go back to camelot back into an environment where she right. couldn't be herself where she couldn't explore who mm -hmm. she is and what she can right. she can do so maybe she blames merlin for that like maybe not right now maybe not knowingly but this could be used against merlin in yeah. the future i suppose but this is you know giving the writers a lot more credit than they deserve, <laughs> than they deserve. yeah i think they were so. just like oh morgana's gonna be evil one day so we have to like fit this into this conversation um but kilgara is like like future seeing it's just so inconsistent like you know why does he see things some like why does he know some things and not others why does he know that mordred is going to be evil and morgana is going to be evil and arthur's going to be killed but he doesn't know that uther wielded excalibur why does he know that like but he doesn't know that important thing like things like that just great on me i really don't understand or like you know the fact that um he like occasionally merlin will come down and he's just like oh um you want my help about this thing you mean the witch lady morgana how do you know what he's like i just really get irritated when they're not consistent with this kind of stuff like they just again it's like they throw that dart at the wheel of plots and just see what happens and it really pisses me off but um yeah this kind of future seeing with the morgana stuff is just a bit like it makes sense for me with mordred it doesn't make sense for me with this because merlin just he just doesn't end up having a hand in like morgana being evil like if morgos had never shown up if morgos had never shown up we wouldn't have evil morgana if morgana still had turned evil without morgos that would have been a lot more interesting than we might have actually seen what turned morgana evil all right the one with jealous author okay i i'm gonna say this i love it i who has stopped reading into every interaction between them even i Cannot deny a line like, is Morgana the only one to receive a token of your affection? Arthur. <laughs> I cannot deny what this line implies. Like, <laughs> Arthur, please, 
Keep it in your pants. <laughs> like, are you serious right now? <laughs> um, I mean, let's just back it up a bit to the beginning of this scene. Yes, in, in which... the beginning of the scene, we have Leon, which is important. <laughs> yes, which is important. And Arthur and Leon casually strolling into the scene where a servant is doing important, like, you know, servant things. And they are discussing important matters of state right under his nose. I mean, it's just Merlin. Also, they often, you know, they servants are supposed to be invisible. Like, you forget that they're there. I mean, not with Merlin, obviously, because Merlin He's is very present. loud. <laughs> but um, in general, I'm sure that thing, all kinds of ma- things were discussed in front of servants all the time because servants are literally everywhere. That's true. That's and true. You, just, you just forget that they exist. That's the point. <laughs> oh, God. Um... I really like the joke in this scene. I maybe I'm just lame, but I really thought it was clever. It's like, oh well, a little bird. That's strange because a little bird told me you were somewhere else. Mucking out the stables is strange, and a talking bird isn't. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) It is a good joke. That is. Oh my god! Remember our um, social media AU? A little bird called Twitter. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god, yeah, they are absolutely hysterical in this scene. Um, it's like, Melon, what have we said about you trying to be funny? I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but yeah, I, I, I actually kind of find it hilarious that even you can't deny no. what's happening. Yeah, and like it's I said, a- I, I mean, it's not that I don't ship them, but it's I have stopped reading into literally every little thing they do or say around each other. But this is just. This is very obvious. <laughs> oh dear. Um so the one with vigilante Merlin. Merlin is, you know, put that, you know, hood and cape and arrows on his back and he's charging into the lower town. And what is Foradel doing in Gwen's house? I ask yep, you. That's, what, that's a nice reused set you've got there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my favorite part of this scene is apart from it being Gwen's house is Merlin telling Foridal, um, you know I'm not a spy for Uther. How? How would she know that? She didn't even know your author's servant. <laughs> like, this, just because you told her that, you know, that people are looking for that she might get arrested. Like, she already knew that, otherwise she wouldn't have been hiding in her house. <laughs> she already knew that people were coming to potentially arrest her. <laughs> like... Oh my god. How um, how does this prove anything? Oh my god, Merlin, please. You are she smarter has no than reason to trust him and I have no idea why she tells him anything, but the plot must advance somehow. Um <laughs> there is a line here which has some Merlin meta attached to it. Yeah, I know. Um he says, I'm just sorry I couldn't help them all and it's kind of made me think conversations we've had about Merlin and his kind of um lack of care for people who also have magic in the community and how he kind of comes from this place of privilege where he is hiding his magic and he can live like a non-magic person and like just he kind of has that moment of coldness where he's like well I've saved you because I need you but everyone else like he hasn't taken the time to go and warn anyone else even though he just read off a list of names and could have gone to help other people which is kind of interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Merlin has yeah. priorities. 
He does. Uh, in this case, they're Morgana, but um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's it's that. I mean, that's cold, man. That's cold, but that's why I love him. <laughs> um, um, so once Merlin knows where the druids are, he's got a plan, and he <laughs> arrives in the one with the bedroom visit. How exciting. Um, the fact that Merlin is just casually, no one thinks to check that a servant is just ca- going up to a lady's room while she's in her nightgown. Yep, yeah, okay, exactly. Yep. And still no guards outside Morgana's door, even though Uther potentially still thinks that someone is trying to kill Morgana in her sleep. I mean, I'm sure the Morgana shippers are happy because this is the next Morgana scene. I mean, this entire episode is a Morgana episode. Basically, um, yeah. Um, I just, but, yeah. yeah. I Watching this scene, I was like, no one has mentioned Mordred yet. Like, I mean, this is clearly the unifying factor for these two. Mordred and like their, ex- like Morgana's experience or their shared experience with Mordred. I, I was just, I mean, I know he comes up later in the episode anyway, but like this would have been a good time to just bring him, bring him up in some way, you know? I feel like it would have fit in there. At least he's in the episode. Yeah. Um, I this is the moment where I kind of also was like, okay, it it feels like Morgana knows something. Okay, it's really getting on my nerves now because he, you know, she says, um, oh, she's she she says something like, oh, it's usually Gwen that has to deal with me when I'm like this, and he's like, it's okay, I don't mind, or or it's okay, I, I understand, or something like that, and she goes, I doubt that. And then he says, you'd be surprised. And then she kind of turns around as to be like, what? And again, I've always just been like, I'm surprised Morgana didn't figure it out, like, at all in the five seasons. Like, that line in particular, I'm like, Merlin, you're... Yeah, that line is, I'm just, why why the fuck did he say that? If he has no intentions of actually telling her in that moment, why does he teaser it like that? Exactly. Um, and yeah, she's just so defensive in this scene. She's like really coming at him. She's not like, yeah, she's kind of like mean and like, like in a way she's like, oh, you, you think it could be magic? Oh, da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, it's all right. He's trying to help you. <laughs> it's okay. No, um, but I mean, I get it though, why she's pissed. Yeah. And yeah, honestly, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like seeing that side because the writers are very, um, selective with when they make Morgana into fierce warrior mode and when they you know because Morgana as we've gotten to know her is actually you know not that easily frightened and she will fight for the people that she loves and she she can defend herself and in this episode she's been frightened five-year-olds basically the entire time and finally she's like you know what fuck off yeah if you were thinking that, why couldn't you just say so last night instead of making me go through this horror for another day? Yeah. It's, again, this doesn't make much sense to me because Morgana comes to him in a fit of panic and desperation. He lies to her then. He then takes a visit to the dragon. The dragon confirms the suspicions he kind of already had because he lied to her. But the But what he says to the dragon suggests that he doesn't really believe that because he says she has a good heart. So I don't know what he, uh, I don't know. Um, and then the dragon tells him, don't tell her under any circumstances, don't help her. And then that 
triggers something reverse psychology in him to actually go and act on it which is i don't none of this makes sense to me now that i'm thinking about it it would have made more sense for merlin to have gone to the dragon and then been dissuaded from telling morgana why would going to the dragon make him more inclined to go find the druids when he well, wasn't because, inclined to tell her anything before because he has learned at the end of season one that the dragon only acts in his own interest and that this interest isn't necessarily Merlin's best interest or Camelot's best interest. And so, therefore, Merlin is inclined to just do the opposite of what the dragon... Like, honestly, sometimes I think Mer that's the only reason Merlin goes to see the dragon. So he finds out <laughs> what the dragon wants, so he can do the opposite. The opposite yeah. Just to piss off the dragon and not that's play true. into his plans. Oh, I will say that I forgot to say uh, when we were doing the dragon scene that there is a shot that i love that i never picked up on before and when merlin leaves you have a shot on the dragon which we rarely have and he just has this look on his face as to be like and this is where it's all gonna go wrong <laughs> which is kind of like in hindsight quite cool because this is kind of where it all starts to go wrong <laughs> um which is kind of really cool but um yeah so back to this scene um it's yeah, I I just don't know how Merlin got away with this without Morgana suspecting something. <sighs> I mean, you know, again, the plot must advance somehow. Um, and then the next scene that we have is the one with emo Merlin, where, you know, um, Gaius is like, oh, yes, of course, Merlin brought the potion up. And then he confronts Merlin being like, I didn't ask you to take this to Morgana. <laughs> um and what i love like the reason why i've called this emo merlin i remember back in the day back in the day uh people would call merlin emo merlin whenever he would talk about his life before camelot <laughs> which is basically you don't understand the years before i came to camelot were the darkest of my life <laughs> and he's uh, just listen so if i'm so bothered because he said what he actually says in this scene is the years before I came here were the loneliest of my loneliest. life. Sorry, and loneliest. somewhere Will is gonna rise from the dead and punch Merlin. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Um. So, yeah, so Emo Merlin is out in full force. He even turns away from Gaius in order to make and he's just like, listen, Merlin, Morgana's situation is different to yours. He's at his wit's end, the poor guy. <laughs> He like what else can he do to make him understand? Actually explain shits before it's too late. <laughs> no, okay, he can't blame him for this, but he could have just explained things from the start. I I I actually thought of you when I watched this episode and uh you know he, uh he says, "Yeah, well I've got you, she hasn't." And like <laughs> Everything, everything I've, you know, learned about magic, I've learned from you. <laughs> and I so thought of nothing. you and I was like, Momo is definitely going to disagree when we get to this scene. Nothing. So he learned nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, but what I will say, this is really interesting. And he says, you know, a guy says, well, what makes you think? Oh, hang on. Is this this scene or the one previous? I don't actually remember, I'm afraid, but he says something like, what makes you think you know so much better than me? And he says, because I went through the same thing. And I can't remember if this is the previous I scene. I think it or was if the, it... that was the previous one. Previous one. Well, mm. he says 
something so oh no he says i'd be lost without you like she is right now so he's saying a sort of similar thing to what he was saying before that he was scared and this really interests me because do all magic users go through this turbulent period and i mean we've already discussed why is morgana's magic making itself apparent so late in her life when merlin was moving objects before he could speak which means he was a baby (laughs) and you know if in a way, I'm like, well, if Merlin could already do magic before he could speak, then surely his magic was relatively developed by the time he was able to feel fear. <laughs> In which case, like, did he have like a second bout of like powers or magical puberty or whatever we want to call it? It's like, probably how- something like, you know, f- understanding that you are different from the others and being oh, unable okay. to relate to them or them being right. unable to relate to you and that is isolating you. It's like, being the only gay kid in a in a community, for example. Right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it yeah, brings that us makes back to magic sense. being a metaphor for queerness. But yeah, and I don't think every magic user goes through this because, for example, the druids, those among them who can do magic, and I don't think all of them can do magic, but that's that's a different that's a different point. You know, they obviously grow up in a magic positive environment, so I don't think that they necessarily go through this process, for example. Right. Like this, this whole fear of who they are, why it's, why they are different and what they are going to become, for example. But if you are in an isolated, in an isolated environment, like Merlin was in Yelder and how Morgana is now in Camelot, then yeah, if if you are in that kind of situation, then it would be scary and isolating and you would be able to relate to other people going through the same thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, also, I've kind of written here, um, for Christ's sake, why didn't Morgana leave a note or get yes. someone to go with her or anything Thank other than you. just leave? <laughs> why couldn't Morgana plan this a little more and come up with a convincing reason for her to be gone for a while? I just... Half an hour ago, I defended Morgana and said that she is smart. This is not Morgana being smart. This is just Morgana being like, ooh, gotta go right now. Like, she could have said she was going to visit her father's grave. Yeah, well, then then Uther might have wanted to go with her. But I'm sure she could have come up with some convincing lie. Like, she... I mean, this would have required for this verse to actually establish context for Morgana other than the, than her servant and her adoptive brother and his servant. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, there, there could have been something of Morgana planning to visit another castle, another noble family, just to, you know, spend some time there. And, you know, she could have even argued about, you know, I know you've been worried about my safety. Maybe if I got out of Camelot and went to a place where I wasn't, you know, as yeah. as public, Something you know, and then, I mean, obviously she would have had to come up with, with a reason to split from her party so that she could go see the druids instead. Yeah. But I mean, I but you know what I I really do like this scene in like I know we joked oh like guys is at his wits end but I I quite like that he's getting kind of angry here because you know he's like you know those bells are ringing because Uther thinks that Morgana has been kidnapped so what have you done and Merlin's just like you know what well I helped her because you refused to help her and then 
guys is just like, look, enough is enough. Like people can die. So you tell me what you've done right now, you know, and it's just, you know, I, I think it's quite cool because again, you've got that thing of Merlin thinks he's doing good, but he's putting Morgana in danger and guys, oh, it's just, it's all messy. And I, yeah. and I, and I like that it's messy. You know, yeah. I think it's, it's good. Yeah. And I mean, um, I know I, I harp on guys for not explaining things to Merlin and I stand by that, but at the same time, also Merlin, you are not a literal child anymore. You've been in Camelot for over a year, presumably, at least for a while now. You've done stuff before that had bad repercussions. Why don't you stop and think through the possible outcomes now? You should have mm-hmm. learned from your past mistakes. At the very least, why don't you go to guys and talk to him? Like, literally ask him, why shouldn't I do this? What do you think would happen if we told her? Like, clearly guys isn't going to tell him. So why doesn't Merlin ask him? Yeah, So exactly. this is this is not just guys' fault. I'm also blaming Merlin for being bad at character growth. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one with Merlin being clumsy, Merlin, you know, sneaks out because of course he does, because why talk to anyone? <laughs> um, I just kind of like have a note about this because it just kind of hit me like, why, why does Gaius sleep in the main bit? And Merlin has the bedroom when Gaius was living there before he was. Gaius because is older. Gaius does, not nice want, Gaius does not want to deal with teenagers. In out in the open, doing things in bed. (laughs) It's just... I don't... Maybe, you know, it could have also been that Gaius hasn't been using that room back there anyway. I don't think Gaius would have given Merlin the room if Gaius had been using it himself. Yeah, Gaius has probably always been sleeping in the workroom, (laughs) let's be real. Yeah, that's true. Closer to his work. Um... So Merlin uh, sneaks out using the grate. And I only mention this because I quite liked that it's a callback to beginning of the end when they use the grate to escape that way. So it's kind of that little continuity that Merlin knows he can leave that way because Arthur taught him that he can leave that way, which I I think that's quite cool. Um, And then I also want to say about the scene with Merlin being clumsy. This scene is so useless. Like it's 30 seconds of comic relief, but that is literally all it is. Yeah, basically. And it's, I mean, it's its a nice breather in the middle of the episode, but it serves literally no purpose. Yeah. It's, uh, say, back in season two when we had spare plot time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one from a horror movie. Morgana so, is Little Red Riding Hood. I just yeah. want to put this out there right now. Yes, <laughs> she really is. And... The reason why I'd called it this, because unfortunately we hadn't recorded this episode before we did the music episode, because one of the questions was, what's your, what's the scariest scene in Merlin? And I said, I've never been frightened by Merlin. That's because I blocked this scene out from my memory. (laughs) (laughs) This scene is so terrifying. When that circuit comes up behind Morgana I literally feel my skin crawl every single time. It is disgusting. There is no reason for that circuit to be that big. It is <laughs> not okay. I don't agree with this at all. It's fucking disgusting. Also, it's just, I feel like it's a completely 
pointless addition to the plot for her to get attacked by these circuits and get injured because it's like well the druids live in this forest do they get attacked every time they go to get the groceries <laughs> like why is she being attacked and well, it's clearly they can defend has... against it uh, mm-hmm. somehow Eglane makes them go away well he o- well she only ha- is injured so she has an excuse to like have to be like make a dramatic escape later on and it's just like completely pointless like she could easily have just found the camp without being attacked by circuits yeah, and, and she could have been like they should, might have had to leave her behind because instead of being injured already she could have just tripped yeah. and injured her ankle that way exactly. um yeah so um then the next one that we have is um the one where merlin is gone the only uh reason why i have a note for the scene is it's just kind of a, like a stupid editing thing which i'm a bit of like a buff for and it's that we see merlin dropping the broom when he's yeah and guys uh, picking it up and guys is picking it up and i and like that just makes something in me kind of preen and smile so <laughs> that's uh that's that that's it i just i i just love that um the one with the druid hospital Baby Asa. Uh, baby Asa is back and they managed to get a couple more hours of daylight with him, I think, because he was 13 or something rather than 12 or something like that. Um, oh, he's so big now and just masturbating on screen. <laughs> yeah. I have not I, seen it yet. Oh, it's so good. It's honestly like one of the best tv shows in terms of diversity and inclusivity that i've seen in years if ever like in my whole life it's so good um but uh i think this scene is very very cute uh she sees mordred again but also kind of ship morgana and aglane always have since like the very beginning and i kind of wished he'd stuck around so she could have had like this forbidden love thing with like a druid like actually happen over like the course of a few episodes I thought that that would have been a really cute relationship. Interesting. I've never read it that way. I've always read it more like paternal on his part. Yeah. Also, I think every time I see him, part. my mind does not go Eglane. My mind goes Dr. Moon from yeah. Doctor Who. Like that is literally every time I see him, I'm like, this is Dr. Moon. Yeah. <laughs> I think they mentioned that, like that he like done a bunch of stuff and that he was like quite, quite accomplished. But um, I, yeah, I like, I can see like that's where the show was going with was like more of a paternal thing, you know, with the because I think he's meant to be a bit older than her. But um, I don't know. I just thought they had a really easy chemistry, a very sweet chemistry. Um, I just kind of felt like it would have been interesting to see where that relationship went. And I'm very sad that, you know, even if it had been paternal or friendship, romantic, whatever, I'm sad that he was, you know, killed off um as soon as as soon as we met him. I thought he was such a good character for like right. whatever we saw of him. I mean, a druid who's being persecuted by Uther, having kind words to say about Uther, that makes me already fascinated by what kind of character he is, you know, that I think that's really interesting because who who has that kind of compassion for someone that's trying to kill you? Right. It's just, yeah. It's really good. Um, But I don't know if this is the same scene, so I won't talk about that right now. But yeah, baby Asa, we love him. <laughs> yes. Um, The one 
where Uther just keeps going at it. And what I've got written down here, also this is where they're uh, inspecting the grate. <laughs> and Arthur is trying to think of logical <laughs> conclusions. <laughs> and all I've got written down here is magic, magic, magic. Somebody stop this guy. <laughs> He's literally just like on fire. I'm just, I'm just so frustrated at this point because why can't anyone leave Camelot without making Uther more suspicious? <laughs> I mean, I know it's plot reasons, but also please. I just kind of adore Uther and his suspicious mind. I just think it's the best thing about this show. I also would like to have a short moment of appreciation for Arthur's blue velvet jacket with Indeed. a red lining, which makes me almost think that it's uh, what is not actually the thriller jacket just turned out. It's, that would have been so cute if it was just a reverse jacket. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, this blue velvet jacket, in my opinion, looks very good on him. He should yeah. wear blue all the time, I think. So indeed, this is this I, was my author wardrobe appreciation moment of this episode because in the next scene and he just wears chainmail again. Although I did, I do have one more wardrobe appreciation in in a much later scene. So we'll get to that when we get to it. I love his blue jacket. It's one of my favorite um, parts of his wardrobe. So I I love it. Um, oh, one more note for this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Is I think they kind of figure out where Morgana's gone and that she's run off to the forest of Esseteir to find the druids. And Uther's like, I always suspected that the druids were hiding there. Let's go and flesh them out. And I'm like, then why have you never done anything about it? <laughs> like, this is you we're talking about. You're hardly one to just let people who have magic sit idly by in your kingdom and whatever. It's like, if you knew that's where they were hiding, why have you just not gone and killed them all? <laughs> I just love Uther. He's just so stupid sometimes. <laughs> He's just like, hmm, I wonder why I have such a problem with magic. Maybe it's because I let magic run riot under my very nose. <laughs> um, so the one with mind reading Merlin, um, I just, okay, I just have to bring this up because um, every time in a TV show or movie in which someone stops to make camp in the middle of the day, I always laugh because the whole point of making camp was you stopped when you could no longer see, hence sleep and the need for a fire. However, we see this in so many films and TV shows because, of course, to film at night is more expensive and more difficult. Therefore, if anyone wants to have a scene in which someone hashtag makes up camp so they can have plot developments, it always happens during the day and it makes no sense because it would just take away precious hours of daylight that you need to make your journey. <laughs> so it just always, I, every time I see it, I have to, I have to bring yeah, it up. I'm like, I had the same thought. I was like, Merlin, why are you stopping in the middle of the day? Like... What? My other point about this is, do we see him display this ability again at any point in the future? Like what, being able he, to read minds? Yeah, that he just, out of the blue, hears a bunch of thoughts, some of them not even happened yet, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? Does he do this um, again? I mean, I know he 
he can communicate telepathically with like Mordred and I know he pushes his thoughts into Arthur's dream in season 5 but like this is just weird out of the blue just picking up random thoughts I mean a I might think it's just kind of like the sudden onslaught of being like near so much magic but also I always assumed because obviously like when you watch things in a film or tv show things can't happen at the same time even though they might in plot to be happening at the same time so I always assumed that when Aglian says what do you want to know like that's just happening in real time but we haven't seen it yet because we have to wait till the next scene to see it no but Merlin is there when Aglian says it like oh, he's is he there? In the camp, that is when oh. Merlin has snuck into the camp and is hiding behind the tent where right. Aglaine and Morgana are. And then Aglaine says, What would you like to know? I think that that could just be a continuity error because I don't think they were trying to hint that Merlin can see the future because that's, yeah. that's not brought up again. But yeah, yeah. that's it. That, yeah, that's annoying. Um, so the one where Morgana's dads talk. <laughs> Because uh, they have yeah. a dad. I, I have I have a, an actual note about this. Go for it. Ooh. With her is right, which is funny. <laughs> he says in this scene, Morgana wouldn't run from anything. And I think that is true. Like, this is Uther displaying that he knows Morgana. And even in this episode, she didn't run from Camelot so much as run towards the Druids to learn about yeah. herself. Exactly. She didn't run away. She ran towards something. And this yeah. is just, I love that Uther knows this about Morgana, that Morgana is actually fierce and Morgana isn't easily cowed. And if anything, Morgana would not run away. She would stand and fight. Yeah. And this is her version of fighting for herself is to go and seek the Druids. Exactly. And the fact that he says that she's too much like her father that way, which just makes me again, pine for the prequel. <laughs> um, and you know, the fact that Gaia says you've looked after that girl as a she or your own. And he says, that's what she has become. And I would really love like, like in all honesty, I really would love to sit down with the creators of this show and just ask them when they decided that this was going to be a thing because it, it it almost makes me feel like maybe they already knew at this point right. Do you think? maybe but then again it makes me feel like i think maybe they decided after season one when they were like okay we're gonna keep going for a couple more seasons definitely yeah. and that's when they decided okay this is gonna be our plot because Armor is gone by now. Yeah, like, Armor is gone now. I think that is where they were like, okay, let's hammer out this plot for the next two or three seasons, and we're gonna bring this up at some point. So let's let's hint at it a couple more times. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. So the one where Morgana takes a stroll, and I'm only bringing this up because we, she literally walks out of one tent and walks into another. <laughs> yeah so i'm just like and i can only assume that my previous note that that literally was the the hospital tent and then she moved into the residential tent because she's recovered <laughs> so otherwise why on earth would that unless it was to kind of show us what the druid camp looked like but i, I mean, just obviously that's the reason but so 
The next scene is really important. It's called The One With More Therapy. But this time the therapy has a much more positive effect on Morgana because she's talking to someone that actually knows what they're talking about. (laughs) She knows she's talking to someone who is actively trying to help her, not make her into, you know, Elsa from Frozen, concealed of feel. Exactly, which is kind of what happens to Morgana. Um, But I think... This is the line that has always stayed with me for years. And I hate it that this is in Merlin because it's just basically ruined like most of Morgana's character arc for me. She says, is it magic? And she says, of a kind, yes. But it will be years before you can understand it, let alone use it. And, you know, between season two and season five even, is about uh, uh, four or five years. And I'm just a bit like, I don't understand how, with that in mind, that this is what has been textually said about Morgana's powers, we get from here, where she's just showing signs of magic, to I'm a high priestess, no mortal blade can kill me, in five years. Really? And this has always annoyed me. I don't buy this kind of like lightning fast progression of her powers. I never have. And I like the fact that when we get this scene, he's like, no, it's going to take you years. And again, I stick by my theory. They were not planning on having this show be this big, like Arthurian, um, uh, pit stop show where we were going past all of the major things that happen and then ending with Arthur's death they say that but you yeah. don't have like we Arthur becomes king in in season four like we have three seasons and a bit of Prince Arthur and Morgana being you know kind of good for two seasons and there's too much before they were famous stuff happening here for, for me to buy that they wanted it to be like all about the Arthurian legends. And this is where I also kind of feel that because I think they were building up and laying the seeds in your mind for an evil Morgana or a Morgana with magic. But he says it here. You won't even understand it yet by the time we get to season five. But by season five, she's already basically the hottest thing that there is. And I'm just like, no. The only thing, the only thing I could see in defense of how it went down in the show is that learning magic the druid way where you really connect to your powers really understand everything that is you know that there is to know in connection with your powers and then learning to really cultivate your powers and use them in different ways with nuance that would take much longer but because Morgana under Mogos's tutelage is learning magic for a very single-minded purpose you know without really bothering to to understand what the magic actually is where it comes from and how it affects her that that is basically the fast track and that that is in part why you know, Morgana turns into the person that she turns into because she only, like, unleashes raw power instead of really, you know, understanding where it's coming from. On the other side, you have Merlin, who was, 
whose magical power has been manifesting ever since he was born. And for him, the connection is like he's been feeling it all his life. For him, it is different because for him, magic is instinctual. Wherein Morgana, other than, you know, occasional prophetic dreams, magic hasn't really manifested for her and she's never really felt the magic inside her before. So for her, it really would take time to understand these powers that that are suddenly manifesting and showing. But for Merlin, it's been it's been there all his life. So for him, in a way, it is also a long process. And he's still, like when he came to Camelot, he, he knew he had magic and he was doing instinctual magic, but he didn't know any spells, for example. He's only now starting to learn spells and to use his magic with a little more, like, direction and more focused and more deliberately but he already understands his own magic he's already connected to his own magic whereas Morgana isn't yet so I I think that is where I can see sort of you know if she had learned magic the druid way then yes it would have taken decades but because she learned it on the fast track with Mogos who was just trying to shape Morgana into a weapon in a fast a time as possible that's entirely different yeah i can i can see that you know i mean i think it's also just that the writers didn't you know <laughs> i mean obviously also that um, but uh, no but no but i do i i do like your definition of that i mean we do get into some more problematic things though in this scene again with just morgana saying things that make no sense which is you know her she talks about uther and Aglaine says his thing that I really liked about how, you know, you should pity him because he's a broken man consumed by fear, which is what I've been saying <laughs> for years. Um, but then Morgana ha- like says, I've always been taught that magic is evil, that it corrupts your soul. And I'm just a bit like, for me, this line was added just so we can have that like cute like moment where Aglin is like no it can be a force for good and you have that moment where Merlin is kind of looking all happy and like yeah because it doesn't make sense for Morgana to actually believe this because everything we've seen up until this point shows that she doesn't believe it at all and all of a sudden she's like but I thought all of these things it's like no you no no you didn't <laughs> you, you've never thought any of these things yeah no so, sorry didn't yeah, I mean, it's a cute scene, but there are many things about it that just don't hold up for me for Morgana's character. It's like, no. But again, Aglaine is cute. I like Aglaine very much. Um, do you have anything else to say about this scene? Nope. Uh, so the one with the attack. And I'm going to attack you, Momo, with some Arthur meta. Are you ready? Ooh, no, not yet. Let me just quickly get in uh, very quickly a one note before we get into the big stuff. It's interesting because, like, for me, the scene starts when Merlin bursts into the tent after Eglane has gone, and then Eglane yeah. comes back and is like, who are you? And I find that very interesting because Eglane clearly also has magic, and it's interesting that Mordred sensed Merlin's magic and knew that he's Emerus, but Eglane clearly doesn't. And that just makes me want more information on druids in this world because clearly not every druid has the same powers i mean obviously because not every magic user has the same powers but like they like merlin was able to sense all of these people's minds in the camp 
and yet none of them know who he is, apart from Mordred. Because that wasn't relevant to the plot yet. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, uh, hit me well, maybe with your... this cap doesn't, yeah. All right, uh, hit me with your author meta, because I have many author feelings about Arthur being ordered to raid a druid camp. Well, when we yeah. know that's what happened, like, when we find out in season four that he already had to do this once before. Exactly. And when he is standing at the top of that hill, he has to say, remember the king's orders or something like that. Yeah. No prisoners. And the look on his face is just heartbreaking. Yes. When he, like, he, he, you know he doesn't want to do, like, anyone that looks at that scene and tells me that Arthur actually wants to be doing this is just not watching the same show. Yeah. He, like, like is very quick to rush out of that camp once he spotted Morgana leaving with Eglane. He, like, calls his knights to him over here to get them out of the camp. Exactly. As fast as possible, in there's my opinion. A, there's a shot before they launch the attack. I think it's from Arthur's point of view where it's just the camp, like just being, yeah, just and being you hear children and laughing. You can hear children laughing. Oh my God. Yes. And Arthur's like thinking about the kids he slaughtered and yeah, just that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I'm very much like, interested in that meta <laughs> like very much yeah um also like when merlin's like you have to leave you have to leave um morgana's like i'm not leaving these are my people and like she's like oh well if i come back uther will find out and i'm like morgana why are you so stupid do you think that you staying will make him think that you don't have magic <laughs> like <laughs> oh Hi, Dad. I've just decided to live with the Druids. Um, no magic, by the way. Just totally <laughs> like, per- like no, no homo. homo. <laughs> yeah, no magic. Uh, I just like the robes. Yeah, exactly. I like the coarse linen. It it fits me so well. It's just like really. Have you met my new not- boyfriend, Eclaine? <laughs> He's super cool. Have you met my boyfriend? He's <laughs> totally not magical either. Just yeah. <laughs> He's like, really? Because he's wearing a robe. Oh, that's not a magical robe. No. <laughs> you know, uh, hashtag not all druids. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Gaius. He wears robes all the time. He doesn't have magic. <laughs> uh, about that, more Gaius. <laughs> <laughs> Your uncle Gaius. Your dad, sorry. <laughs> Your dad. Um, uh, Morgana uh, now yeah. has three dads. <laughs> Who's her third? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, sorry. Her real the one. actual dad, Kolois. <laughs> like, because now I get confused between Uther and Kolois because of the show messing everything up. Um, um, so we've got another strike for the uh, Morgana. Definitely should have figured out that Merlin is a sorcerer by the end of this episode because um, she says, these are my people. They're like me. I don't feel so alone here. Do you understand? And he says, better than anyone Merlin (laughs) I'm literally like rocking back and forth right now on the floor I mean to be fair he could have been referring to his life in Camelot because that's where he feels at home now and doesn't feel alone because he feels like his friends are his people but yeah absolutely I Um, honestly like her face obvious please like her her face 
looked like she was gonna say something before Aglaine burst in on them and was like, "We have to go." I just, I'm like, seriously, oh, for fuck's sake, Merlin! You, I cannot believe that no one found out who you are. I mean, you're lucky that your that your husband is so stupid because, like, oh my god! Like, imagine if he was married to Gwen. <laughs> Although it took Gwen quite a while as well. Now that I think of it, but Merlin doesn't say dumb things around Gwen, so that may be yeah. why. Um. So the one with the escape, which is just, you know, where everyone's trying to escape. There's very little going on here that I think needs yeah. much discussion, apart from the fact that Merlin thought that fogging up the place would hold them off. You know that you can walk through fog, right? It's not a wall. <laughs> well, he assumed that they would not be able to see their way and then just follow Merlin, which, to be fair, they did. They did, yeah, that's fair. But still, I'm just like, that's that's kind of hilarious because... The whole point is that these guys are faster than the wounded woman who is trying to escape. So you kind of need something to slow them down, not to like, you know, hope that they see you and then like <laughs> in the opposite direction. Absolutely brilliant. Um, But uh, I love the shots of Merlin and Mordred running like parallel. Yes. I, I have this like sub sub scene called the one with murder baby Mordred. And um, I just, I don't remember if I said this in the Mordred character episode, but in this scene, Mordred is so justified. Like, like his, his self-defense. He's surrounded by knights who have just probably killed everyone else in a druid camp. He just saw them shoot a glane. Like, a glane died right in front of him. <laughs> so, of course, the poor thing is petrified. With fear. Yeah. And honestly, like, Merlin's look of shock is, I'm, I'm surprised by that because it's not even clear whether or not Mordred killed these men. Like, he uses a version of the push spell by just screaming. <laughs> I think that's what shocks him. I don't think, because I didn't ever think that they died. I thought they just passed out. I think he's shocked that Mordred at such a young age can do the kind of magic he can do. Hmm. Okay. Because I, I always how... read it as Merlin is shocked that Mordred would injure or kill these men, and I'm just like, how is this any worse than what Merlin has done? I I always just read it as him being shocked by M Mordred being able to do actual magic because he he hasn't seen anyone else, at least of that age, do that kind of magic before so it's i think maybe Merlin doesn't see other people of that age yeah yeah which magic is why i all. think he's surprised but mm. that's that's just kind of how i read it because it doesn't like there's nothing about that shot that would suggest but, like, that these Merlin had been Merlin would have been capable of that kind of magic at mordred's age yeah but he's meant to be one of a kind yeah but does he know that at this point well doesn't guys say no one's like you merlin like all well, the what, time what seriously what does guys know <laughs> I mean, just because Gaius says something doesn't mean it's the law. I mean, I think Gaius would disagree. But... <laughs> I mean, he's I know Gaius we call him. I know he's Gaius Pedia, but still. Uh, the one with the romantic subtext is the next one I have because basically, long story short, obviously they find Morgana. Morgana gets brought back to Camelot, and everyone's happy. And then Merlin shows up at Morgana's door, and this is this is the one where I will say that I really. I'm a bit like I don't know if they were pushing for the Morgana. This one is very romantically coded. I will say that when Morgana opens up the door and she's like Merlin, and he's like My Lady, I'm like, 
so I take my coffee like this <laughs> it, because Merlin is very dapper and looking very, very handsome and mysterious and yeah. like. And Morgana's rip- hair is very nice in the scene. Her hair looks so nice. Exactly. In so scene. and she has she's wearing one of the green dresses, which always look very good on her. Indeed. Uh it's just a very aesthetically pleasing uh scene to look at. And I really like this scene. I think that again, they're in a really good place here. Yeah. Which is why I don't understand what went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> for me this scene this is where I come back to magic as a metaphor for queerness, because this is the scene that really like finally completely drives it home in this episode i think like morgana says something to the effect of i know now who i am and that's okay that's enough for now and it just like this is very similar to knowing what your identity is but having to hide it from your family for fear of exclusion or worse and that really that scene is really the the epitome of of that feeling of being not straight, not being cis or any of the other things that you are, you know, quote unquote supposed to be in some communities. And Morgana is now now knows that she has magic and that life in Camelot can never be quite the same for her. And that she's always in danger of being outed to Uther and what kind of consequences that would have. And this is just, that is the scene that really drives that home in yeah. this episode. I think, though, the, and this isn't necessarily kind of a comment on this scene in particular, but what they did with this kind of thing after is that I kind of can't stand the fact that they kept having Morgana, like, maintain this moral high ground over Merlin because she's like you don't understand what I'm going through I have to hide who I am and I'm just like Morgana please like I I know you don't know that like that Merlin's but like Merlin also has other things that he has to deal with that you don't like you know being a servant and being poor and you know what I mean it's like just I don't like it when she does it and like I know now who I am. Maybe one thing will be... It's like, wow, you sound like you've been dealing with this for 40 years. <laughs> like, wow. Like, I just think it's the way they were writing it. It just... It feels a bit frustrating to me as an audience member who knows that Merlin has been dealing with this for a lot longer. And I just wish they'd written it slightly differently. But I also appreciate, like, that there's not really a, a good way of putting it. Like, and... You know, it kind of works on Merlin because Merlin has a moment where we think that he might tell her. It like he 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 nearly does. He's he kind of goes um, and he pauses for like a good few seconds and he just says, "It's good to have you back." And yeah. all of us thought that he was just going to come out and tell her. I mean, I don't know if we ever actually thought he was going to, but he nearly, nearly, nearly does. And how different might the show have been if he'd have gone through with it? Yeah. Very different. Um, but Morgana thinks he's going to say something else. And this is where I, again, get very confused about the whole Morgana thing, because I know that I've said that I think Morgana has an inkling that Merlin's hiding something from her. 
I don't know if this is what she's thinking in this moment, but she's definitely not expecting him to say it's good to have you back. She's hoping that he'll say something different. So I don't know if she's hoping that he'll say something, you know, romantic, because she seems like she's very kind of like, Merlin, I wasn't expecting you. You know, like, <laughs> just with my perfect hair and, you know, I'm not in my nightgown yet. I'm perfect makeup. So uh, come in. I'm sorry, such a mess. You know, it's like, she's very like that. So, and then, like, when he says, like, um, she's kind of looking down and be like, oh, do you like my eyeliner? It's, it's fresh. I just did it now. You know, it's like kind of, I don't know. It's very like that to me. Or maybe I just, that's, but that's what I would do in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was picturing you in my mind while you were saying all of these things. I was like, I can't imagine exactly how Rox is looking in that moment. Like, I'm just, yeah, I see Katie and I kind of see my own body language in that moment. <laughs> but Katie's a lot cooler than I am. Like, so yeah, uh, I, I feel like Katie slash Morgana in her flirty state is just very, very cool about it. Merlin definitely playing hard to get. Let's just be honest. He just strolls right out of there and doesn't look back. <laughs> um, which that's when, not, that's not play, playing hard to get. That is literally not to get <laughs> well it's playing it cool it's being a player uh-huh. and then it leads us nicely into uh the one with uh not so sneaky arthur who's just chilling out waiting for him to come down and, and i mean how long has he been there who knows um i don't Since know if he, went up probably <laughs> which means he's following him around so yes. yeah not jealous it's, at all. Okay, this is the other scene with author wardrobe appreciation, and the only reason I'm appreciating this is because it's a red tunic that is like open to down to his navel and this chest hair, and I'm just like, yes, very much Thank appreciating you. of that. Oh, um, yeah. I've always just laughed at this because it's like, what does he think is going on between these two? Like, does he honestly think that they're like drinking coffee together? I don't like. I I think he thinks that Merlin is trying to court Morgana. That's why he tells Merlin there can never be anything between you. You can't even be friends, let alone anything else. And I'm just like, Arthur, hypocrite, much? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, you know, he has, you know, he does have that moment where he kind of looks off into the middle distance and is like, she can't be your friend, let alone anything else, which obviously he's referring more to, you know, more to himself than than anything. But um, uh, I just, any time Merlin and Arthur try to talk about women together, um, I feel the need to... Arthur, Arthur has this line, someone who knows about women, and I'm just like, Arthur, Arthur... Please stop embarrassing yourself. You don't know anything about women. Like any time that this happens, like it happens here where he's like, stick to girls that are more on your level. I know a thing or two about women. And then there's a scene in Sweet Dreams where they're trying to talk about girls as well. Feelings, feelings, girls, girls. And every time that happens, I now feel the need to uh, bring up my new favorite Merlin meme, which is just uh, a picture I found on Twitter of a gentleman pointing to a whiteboard, which says, in conclusion, and then there's just a rainbow flag. <laughs> um, that's basically what I feel needs to be plastered across this scene. Merlin and Arthur, you guys don't know anything about women. You are as gay as the day is long. So please just stop. <laughs> just stop embarrassing yourself. It's it's okay. We know. Um, but there is a very 
very important line in this scene to me anyway with my Merlin meta feels which is you can't hide anything from me Merlin <laughs> Merlin says wouldn't dream of it well yeah he walks off and Merlin smiles turns his head finds it funny and then the smile just fades away and the reality actually sinks in that yeah he's going to be hiding for the rest of his life and that's kind of what ends up happening and yeah whenever Merlin has those moments of oh yeah it's funny uh, except actually no I'm I'm really unhappy um I'm yeah. so glad you made it sad instead of me you knew I was gonna do that like I I, I use that shot in almost every one of my vids because it's just like that contrast between him smiling versus the face he actually pulls when he says wouldn't dream of it and I'm just like Colin is just too good and yeah Merlin um is a very miserable boy and uh we I think we forget because so many of these episodes are really really comedic but Whenever he's reminded um, of how miserable he is. He, and, you know, he's just come down from a conversation with Morgana where he thought he might be able to come clean, you know? And it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm not surprised that things ended the way they did. <laughs> pain. Pain. Uh, I literally just have pain written at the bottom of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've just put the end one. And I really love this. I love Gaius's line of I was mad at you right up until the moment that you walked through that door. And if that isn't relatable AF, I don't know what is. Yeah. It's very cute. It's very yeah. cute. It is. Um, do you... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you kind yeah. of... Yeah, no, it is, a, it is a good scene. And like I said, I have made peace with Gaius being a fundamentally flawed character, just like Uther, only in different ways. And I shall reserve my griping for the people in fandom who are like no Gaius is so much better <laughs> because he's not um I'm actually surprised that I made it through this episode because uh a few days ago I had no voice because I'd screamed myself hoarse at uh comic-con so I was pretty much like <laughs> and I thought I would have no voice to record this podcast today so I have made it through and that is a win on my part I think congratulations I feel congratulated. Thank Wonderful. You. Next time, which shall be in just a week, because we have a little special, because we are going to play catch up with the talkbacks. So this is similar to the Q&A that we did in January, except we're going to be catching up on talkbacks, because we still, even with our new system, we still have a lot of them, and we don't want them to back up too far so that it would take like half a year for some of you to get a response from us in these talkbacks so that's what we're gonna do next week indeed um i have really had a, a great time talking about this episode i think that it's 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 all right it's it's very good i'm not always a fan of morgana centric stuff but this one i actually think is quite enjoyable to watch and you know there's still some comedy and there's some drama and I think it's all right um I'm just very excited to talk about the next episode review <laughs> because I just feel like I've been waiting for this for a very long time and I cannot wait to get my claws into Lancelot and Guinevere because ah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of my faves yeah so, yeah it's gonna be a couple more weeks before you get to that, but it's it it's nearly here now. That's it's... all I care about. Okay. 
Okay. Well, our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings exclusively for us. Any additional music in this episode or any other episode is from freesound.org. And the manab on our cover was made by Brolin's Keep and the cover was made by me. And speaking of me... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I segue like a pro. <laughs> speaking of me, I'm Momotastic on AO3 where I post fanfic and Momopots on AO3 where I post podfic. And I'm Miss Snowfox, and there are a few places you can find me, but why not just go for Instagram, where I'm Miss Snowfox, or let's pick uh, Tumblr, where I'm also Miss Snowfox, extra X. Watch out for that spelling. <laughs> How's that segue going? <laughs> well, my segue was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we'll be very excited to speak to you guys uh, next week. And until then, I have been Miss Snowfox. And I have been Momotastic. Bye. Bye.